Welcome to East End Arts Talks with Jeannie Wolker. With decades of teaching violin, viola, and cello at East End Arts, and even longer playing with her family, friends, and various groups and ensembles, Jeannie offers a deeper understanding of what the Suzuki method actually is, talks about the many benefits of learning to play, and provides pretty much a crash course in Strings 101. But what I want to know first is, do you have any idea how many students you've taught so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, through the years, you're talking twenty, almost 20 years of teaching, so there has to be hundreds. Isn't that but, amazing? Yeah, and some of them, it's so amazing because some of them do actually go on to study music because they love it so much. But those are also the kids that started because they wanted to. And there was something really wonderful that music, you know, spoke to them. How does a kid pick a violin? Like, are they just drawn to it? A lot of times they just either see it on TV. It could be one of the children's TV shows. A lot of times they just think it's a cool instrument. They'll see an orchestra. A lot of times parents choose it for them. It doesn't work as well as you'd think. How can you tell if a parent has chosen an instrument for a kid? The extreme is a real pouty child, but we still try to have fun. You know, sometimes they'll choose a different instrument, which which works. I had a student that wasn't sure, violin or cello. So I played both of them for her and she chose what she wanted. Do you love playing? I do. Do you play for the kids or is that too like, you'll never get this good? No, you always you always need to set an example. And definitely when a student doesn't know how it's supposed to sound, I'll play it for them and then they can hear it and see how it's supposed to go. And we can work on it and make progress. You teach Suzuki, which is tiny children who are barely just learning how to stand up and function. Well, they're already functioning <laughs> and standing well, it's up. In like three years old, two yeah, years old? Yeah, but the Suzuki the method is taught like a language, and you don't read the notes off the music. I don't understand taught like a language. Well, oh, you mean the just like see and repeat? Yes, it's repetitive. How many times has a child heard his or her first word, which is mama or dada? Right. A bazillion. Right. But they don't have to find mama or dada on four strings on an instrument. True. But it's the repetition. And of course, you start with like a baby step. So you just do one thing at a time and lots of repetition. The home teacher is one of the adults at home, uh, mom, dad, caretaker. So, so someone carries on. It isn't just a once a week thing. And then they come back a week later and you expect them to retain any of it. Right. Dr. Suzuki said. Oh, or, there was a Dr. Suzuki? There was. Yes. Yes. Originally from Japan. He has wonderful sayings, and in the Suzuki world, only practice on the days you eat. <laughs> what a great rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> so the basis of that is start small and then just continually every single day repeat. Right. And then at what point is there a sense of gain? Well, other than repetition, there's also listening. Just like you're listening to your language, your mother tongue, you are listening over and over and over again every day to the music that you are striving towards. And it's just one skill built upon the next and the next and the next. What does Suzuki start at for children? Two, three? 
It depends because every child is different. You can have a very mature two or three year old, maybe a not so mature five or six year old. So it really depends. But the other thing too is that you don't want to spend a whole lesson on the child because that can be overwhelming. So you, what you do is you teach the adult who is the home teacher and that's what hopefully instills curiosity and excitement so the child can see that we're having fun and that we're learning and the parent learns the skills and then the child wants to practice the child wants to learn so it's like modeling like yeah. look at what mom's Absolutely. doing wow that's very interesting yeah. is there something an advantage a gain from taking these lessons beyond just learning to play violin oh of course yeah it turns out that well playing an instrument any instrument is incredibly helpful for math in school focus coordination small muscle coordination wait math studies have have found yes the counting the subdivision you've got eighth notes 16th notes 32nd notes that's really something yeah wow so at the children that you've taught the suzuki method to do they generally stick with violin or do they stick just with music do you know have you seen a trend one way or another well um that's a good question because usually i mean after a time uh children's schedules change and they might go off and do a different instrument or extracurricular activity but I have seen a lot of Suzuki students that continue all the way through high school and really excel Holy really smell. play beautifully so it's really exciting it's really a wonderful experience now tell me your track How old were you when you started playing? What brought you to it? And at what point did you find that you could make a living even just by teaching? Were you ever a professional musician? When you're a musician, usually you play professionally and you teach. Usually. For a freelance musician, you kind of have to have a lot of areas where you're doing something in the music field. Both my parents were violinists. My mother got her master's at Juilliard. And so through growing up, we kind of got the trickle-down Juilliard program. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) So I actually started playing piano. And then because of my wide hands... My parents decided that I was going to be the cellist in the family string quartet. My sister was already the violinist. And when you're a violinist, you usually play viola too. Okay, why? So, uh, Because it's a similar, it's held the same way. It's just a little bit larger. And so if you know the violin, you can usually play the viola and vice versa. The viola is essentially the same with the exception. I mean, the size gives it a different pitch is that right 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 yeah it's it's actually got the same strings as a cello but it's an octave higher than the cello and because it's a bigger instrument it's got a deeper sound but also because of the the range is lower and then the violin has the same strings as the viola only an octave higher no no it doesn't work (laughs) like that (laughs) the violin has e a d g and the viola has the same a d g but then it goes on to a lower string the c so it's kind of like an ex- no i don't even want to say it's an extension of the violin but it's like 
like a sibling. Oh, that, yeah. That, and they both offer something similar but different, right? right? They're like twins that aren't identical twins. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not twins. No, okay, like, okay. I like the sibling okay, idea okay. better. <laughs> I've taken it too far. Okay, great. Yeah. So did your family used to gather on Sundays? And oh, my gosh. <gasps> how did you know that? Oh, my God. How wonderful <laughs> was that? <laughs> we did. We had um, Sunday uh, afternoon uh, quartet, string quartets. And I have photographs of us that, you know, with the old camera and my father, you know, setting the timer, running real quickly so that he could take a seat. And we were all giggling and laughing. And yes. And sometimes, sometimes it didn't go so well. Sometimes there was some angst. But it really, you know, honestly, string quartets really, really speak to me. String quartets, octets. So how did you go from piano to strings then? That was basically, you know, my... You couldn't be in the string quartet if you were playing piano. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I was playing cello soon after piano and focusing on that. And then it wasn't until much later that I, because I love bluegrass music, that's when I wanted to play fiddle. Growing up, I would listen to all kinds of music, not just classical, but a lot of classical, rock, bluegrass, a little bit of, a little bit of country, just as many genres as possible. So yeah. Did you get into like jazz and fusion jazz? Not so much. Did some improv. That was fun, which turns out later on and more recently, I found a local composer who also has his own improv group. And I was having fun and getting together with them and able to go and play in Italy in a CC oh. with them. And yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. So, and all basically because when I was in, I guess, high school, I used to get together with my friends and we would have jam sessions in the basement. Flute, percussion, cello, guitar. Was, wow. Do you put kids together to play? Ensemble music? Ensembles, yes. yes. I've had quite a few groups of ensembles, wow. and that's that's really fun. And it's a great experience for the students and for me also to hear this piece of music come together with these young musicians. Through East End Arts, we've had the East End Arts Chamber Ensemble that did a few performances here in Riverhead, performed some really great pieces, a Brandenburg Concerto and Vivaldi Concerto for Two Cellos. I do have students that like to compose also, or take two pieces and fuse them, bring them together, maybe just buttress them, but but still, it's that creative thought yeah. process. And you like to have that. My younger daughter took piano at East End Arts. She was seven, eight at the time, and had the experience of her teacher going, well, you know, what about putting those notes together? And she wrote a song. Uh, that's marvelous, what your daughter did. Yeah, I absolutely credit her piano teacher for that, because, you know, I, I don't know that all teachers necessarily are open to it. And I would think with violin, the idea that you kind of sometimes by accident create your own note, and it's not a pretty one. So you really kind of have to know what you're doing before you venture into you know, like putting things together. Right, right. That's How true. long does it take a student to even be able to hit the right note? 
there's so many things that we have to get first prior to to using the fingers stopping the strings right correct posture correct holding the instrument correct bow arm and motion and there's a lot of fun exercises that we can do in the very beginning to get those muscles used to doing what they need to do. Wait, you said fun exercise. Can you explain that? (laughs) Well, hopefully. What we have in the Suzuki world is we have what we call popcorn. And that sounds fun. Oh, it's great. I'm going to put my finger next to the mic. Oh, okay. So you just put like the okay sign. And with the thumb and the round fingers, you can actually create the quietest popcorn in the world. And this helps the motion of the fingers on the violin or the viola or the cello and for them to stay loose but strong. So you put your fingers close to your ears and it's oh, really amazing. Wow. The kids are actually quite fascinated with how they can well, make look at a popcorn me. I'm like, sound. wow. <laughs> <laughs> and what else? And, you know, like robotics, getting the arm to just the forearm to move back and forth instead of the whole arm from the shoulder. So you to, just you hold your arm out to the side right, and then you just right. let your or hand... even down okay. and and we can do we can oh, shake and you can shake out the rhythms which one of the rhythms is I like chocolate ice cream. I like chocolate <laughs> ice cream. You know and, and I can see how that would transcend yes. <laughs> translate to a wow, that's great. Yeah. So so there's all, all kinds and yes the teacher has to be creative too. Was Dr. Suzuki the the maker of popcorn or was uh, you that know, you? You know, I it well no, it wasn't me. It was actually in New York at the School for Strings where I was certified. Every week I would schlep into the city with my cello on my back. <laughs> Take the train, no small feet. right? Right. Take the train, the subway, and take the course, and then schlep back home. Why cello? So, well, that was my that's my primary instrument. But didn't you so. think violins more grab and go? <laughs> you're right. It is. If you're tone deaf, does that change everything in terms of learning to play? Interesting. Um, Dr. Suzuki felt that there is no such thing as tone deaf, that it's how you're trained. If you're trained to sing out of tune, you're going to sing out of tune. If you're trained to sing in tune or play in tune, you're going to play in That's tune. That's a class nobody'd sign up for, how to <laughs> sing out of tune, right? Absolutely. At what point did you start teaching? I started teaching, well, what I was doing at the time was I was working at a job and not not music not related. music not was that music. really sad it wasn't sad because i would pretty much follow some of my other passions which was animals or eating healthy living a healthy lifestyle so i chose jobs that, that oh great were, yeah but at one point i started teaching a student and uh, a colleague of mine said well you're having so much fun teaching why don't you become a suzuki certified teacher basically that's what i did and started to teach more and more and more and but throughout my adult life i had always been performing with my family, not my parents, but my sister and my brother-in-law, and then eventually their daughter. So we've been performing, but then it all just was combined between teaching and performing and not working at these other jobs. I didn't realize that the Suzuki method 
continued. I, for some yes. reason, thought it was, I, I, it's so closely associated with tiny little children. I thought it was the, like the basics for the first couple of years, but it goes on. Yeah, it goes on because you're, you're learning all these, the, the skills that are necessary to perform it or play a very complex piece eventually. I'm I'm backing up the East End Arts Perlman Music Program oh, I collaboration. Oh, I to ask you about yeah. that. Yeah. How did Itzhak Perlman wind up having an association with East End Arts? Explain that for anybody who doesn't know what the Perlman Program is. My experience is going over to Shelter Island to their concerts, Works in Progress concerts, and ah, just incredible fabulous and an inspiration and an inspiration to the music students in the area. Mr. and Mrs. Miller had this wonderful brainstorm about a collaboration and it's really it's been working through the years. It's very exciting for the for the students to rehearse and then at the very end have the open rehearsal and he's conducting them and he brings the magic through the students you can hear it just in the several times that that the piece is finally played to with his orchestra it's just awesome how many students get to participate i think we started with a cap of 60 and then i think it dropped down to 50 but this year should we have the program again it's going to be a lot less because of we have to keep our six feet distance. If we can have it this year, we're going to be at 20. 20 students who are in the area, and I guess it's really whomever can register online. It's just registering? You don't have to audition for it? No, you don't have to audition for it. You do have to be able to play a certain level, but it still can be beginner slash intermediate. What I'll do is submit to Mr. Perlman several pieces that I think might work. He chooses what piece we're going to play. In the past, we've played Holtz's Jupiter, Bringer of Jollity, um, Beethoven's Ode to Joy, some Handel from Water Music. Hmm, what are some of the other ones that we've done? Do you write music? I have, yes. I've composed a few pieces, some for cello and violin duet or cello ensemble, or I have a friend who is a poet, and she wrote a poem for her nephew when he was born. I wrote a piece uh, for voice and accompaniment with her poem. There are all these people that are doing all these amazing things. Like you said, all these people, the classes that we have, have the artists that teach the musicians the the group that I went to Italy with we've done so many collaborations with dancers with artists painting what they feel while they're listening to our improvisation the, the East End Arts collaboration between music and art because they do they go together the Baroque period if it's not Baroque don't fix it <laughs> <laughs> I never hear Baroque that I don't okay. hear that joke in oh my, my head. Oh, my God. That's really getting old. <laughs> <laughs> On my block, I have Matthew Bernard, lives across the street from me, and Ben Eager, who lives next door to me. And sometimes in the summer, when the windows are open, I can just hear him play all day. And it, and it's, like, so cool because they both are so incredibly good. Sometimes I'm like... 
Open your window more. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right, right. Forte, forte. Oh, Play God. a little louder. Wow. Oh, okay. wow. <laughs> Lucky you. I know. It's really, really sweet. It's really nice. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, again, so. thank you and good luck. Oh, and thank uh, you and you too. It was lovely. Really nice chatting with you. Before you go, it wouldn't seem right to talk to Jeannie about playing strings without hearing her playing strings. I'm Cindy Clifford. Thank you for listening to East End Arts Talks. And now, Jeannie Walker and the Cottage Trio.